This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is that what they do to horses or something? Is that the... Aye. The, aye. Aye. It's like horses. It's like you better wish Sabi up the horse's arse to get it going. Right. <laughs> Episode 229 of 20 Minute Tins. And on this week, I am joined by a ferocious Martin Melly. Yes. And a despondent or angry Stephen. Yes, that's correct. I'm here. And I'm your host, Jamie. And of course, what we're going to be focusing mainly on in this episode is the recent Glasgow Derby. We've already recorded the reaction podcast. We've already recorded a live preview show over on Patreon. We offer almost daily podcasts as well as weekly videos covering every single thing to do with Celtic. We've got a great mix of coverage and features, and if you want involved in the full 20-minute Tim's match day experience, check it out at patreon.com slash 20-minute Tim's. Stephen, have you calmed down early? any from the Reaction Podcast? Yeah, well, how, the, how it usually works is we get to do our Reaction Podcast immediately after the game, and that usually provides a sort of catharsis. We can just spew our views out there into the world, and that's it's a big weight off the shoulders usually. Here is our opinion on the game we've just watched. Now you deal with it. I'm going to move on. Not quite the same this week, sadly. Uh, it has lived with me for the last day and a bit. If you will, if you'll allow me, Jamie, I, I feel like um, if this was like a, if this podcast was like a an American law drama, a courtroom mm. drama, Sounds I would boring. I would like. <laughs> Prepare a, an opening statement on, on what oh, I feel the game. So if you oh, imagine, no. like, this is me walking up and down the jury, talking to them about what Any the, Anyone familiar is. with Aaron Sorkin might want to sit in here <laughs> and uh, get cosy because I think I know what's coming up. T- to be honest, I, I talk as if I've prepared anything. I, I, I haven't. I just want to talk about how I actually feel about this game. Of course, if you're listening to this way off in the future, we are, of course, talking about Celtic nil Rangers 2 from, from the weekend that just passed. I'd honestly, right, genuinely, I don't remember ever having been more angry and embarrassed after a Huns defeat in my entire life. And I'll, I'll explain why, because there are many different ways to get beaten by the Huns. And yes, I know, like, different clubs and all that sort of stuff, but that's if, you, if that's your focus on what I'm about to say, stop <laughs> listening just now, right? I, I'm not really bothered about that. 
people people will say right aye but the 90s and that but that's that strengthens my point right Celtic were pathetic in the 90s they weren't good enough to beat Rangers in the 90s but that's that's a separate issue and all this time look we've been comprehensively pumped off Rangers a few times remember we lost at 5-1 under under Martin O'Neill other times I've come away feeling cheated by the ref or whatever like the I mean, the time Bouguera booted Robbie Keane up and down the pitch, I mm. felt cheated and it was a shame game and all that. Other times we've been brilliant against Rangers, but un- been unlucky, like Tommy Burns and things like that. But never in any of these examples, n- never in any of these have I come away feeling like Celtic chucked it, like Celtic absolutely packed it in and couldn't be bothered and just and were just completely mentally defeated, which is what I felt after that game. Watching that, I honestly started to think... And it would have solved nothing, I admit that. It would have solved absolutely nothing. But I'd, I started to think, any chance somebody can get themselves sent off or something, just to give me like a sign of life, can somebody like throw an elbow? Or <laughs> that, that wouldn't have solved anything, but it would have it would have been something. It would have been a sign of life. It would have been a, a heartbeat in the game. But that was absolutely lamentable. I think Stephen summed it up really nicely there, Melly. Lamentable. It wasn't even exciting. There wasn't a fight. There was no aggression in the Celtic team. It was about as dry and lamentable a performance as I can remember. Hey, I'd say it's the, the worst Glasgow Derby performance anyway, definitely, for Celtic. It was absolutely abysmal coming away from it. I wasn't as angry as Stephen was. Hey, I was just... I had nothing. I just had nothing left. I just felt... I said to Stephen one of the the recent podcast on the one you missed, Jamie, that it just felt when Celtic got through this transfer window, it still felt like it was sort of the end of the road for this team. And after that game, I was like, this has been coming and I've, I could see it coming, but I chose to pretend I didn't see it. And I just thought, no, it'll all be fine. We've been through this before on the podcast when we think Celtic will be fine, they'll just turn up. Why do we think that? Why do we think we'll, oh, all of a sudden they'll mm. just they'll turn up and beat a team who's playing very well? It rarely happens. It rarely, really happens. And I just felt that it's another red flag in this season that seems to be there's been far too many of them so far. And maybe it's the end of the road for something here. Everyone knew this was coming. Absolutely everybody knew it was coming. We'd been saying it on the podcast for weeks that this is the performances are Ronnie Dyla esque. Um, we, we can offer up every excuse that you want about the players being off about the players unavailable for selection about it was a team Neil Lennon saying cobbled up the day before that's fine right go down fighting that's yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. you want and that's what go down fighting yeah. Have a, you know I'm not talking about running about charging sticking an elbow in people and two footer in people and all that uh-huh. but don't be so uh, you are but don't be so passive some, yeah, you know, yeah. someone take the game by the scruff of the neck here. Someone try and make a change. But what pissed me off the most was that there just seemed like so many players on that pitch yesterday um, or the day before, whenever it was, just happy to, ha- happy to lose. Mm-hmm. Happy to lose. Like like they were losing to St. John's. Oh, we've just dropped points here. It's all right. It's a long season. That's no the way we used to approach these Rangers games. Now, everyone talks about, you know, you know, Brendan Rodgers, we went for beating these teams 5-0 and 4-0 and 3-2 and all that regularly until now where they've got the better of us. And that's fine, but even in the corresponding fixture two years ago, we beat them 1-0 with Olivier and Olivier and Chamgo, and that was a much better performance then, and we were crap up until that point, yep. as me and you were talking about off-air, Millie. So what worries me is, and I've been teeing this up for weeks, we sat during Ronnie Dyla's tenure, 
and we watch crap performance after crap performance after crap performance. We try their best and we try to be positive and we try to big it up and we try to put a brave face on it saying maybe they'll click in the next game. Maybe they'll click against Malmo. Maybe they'll click in this cup game. And it never happened. And we looked back and went, teams don't just click. And that's exactly that's exactly what happened on Saturday there. Um, and, and, and it begs a question now, does, does Steven Gerrard have Neil Lennon's number in these games, Melly? Yeah, by the evidence of the last, what they've played four times now, uh, Neil Lennon got the better of them. Well, four times since Neil Lennon was permanently uh, given the manager's job. So I'll say that because there's often said, look, Celtic or managers have their team after free transfer windows. He's had the summer, he's had January and he's had this summer. This is Neil Lennon's team now, right? no matter how many inherited this is now his team they've been playing his way for so long Gerard, he does have his number Neil Lennon got the better of him in the first game last season Steven Gerrard didn't have a winger didn't have that out ball didn't play Morelos went away from that learned from it dominated Celtic in the League Cup final and then dominated them at Celtic Park and again dominated again at the weekend so going by the evidence yeah he does have his number this has been incrementally happening over a number of games, as you described, Armelie. This It's a sentence both of you have used so far since we've been recording. This has been coming, and that's the worst part of it. The worst part of it is that, that this has been absolutely right in front of our face. We've just basically sleepwalked into this, and you know, just assuming that Rangers are a bad team, Slippy G's never won anything, all that kind of stuff, right? We're focusing on all the, all the silliness, all the distractions. Meanwhile, they've just been slowly but surely working on a plan, working on a system, working on their, their shape, their coaching, in order to solve the problem that is overtaking Celtic. And for now, maybe temporarily, we'll, we'll find out in due course, they have done that. They have overtaken Celtic. If anybody disagrees with that, right, fine. But what has happened in these games is that they've slowly but surely, they've been dominating games and coming out just unlucky. They're, if it wasn't for an utterly world-class goalkeeping display from Fraser Foster they would have won a trophy by now as well and now all the chickens have come home to roost on this one with what we saw on, on Saturday and it's, pushes, it's a bit it, terrible it pisses me off because I get the feeling that we are turning into them we are mm. going out spending big no paying attention to what's going on paying the big wages keeping odds and Edward when we should have sold them keeping in Cham when we should have sold them all these things that go against your better judgement going out and getting Shane Duffy and everyone's like yes this is Duffy and Elian Ussie and £5 million and is this what we need? Are these the guys we really need? Or are we just doing, you know, should we maybe have more focus on, you know, instead of trying to, ages ago, when we were doing this podcast and we were talking about our worries with Neil Lennon, we said you can mitigate bad management or the lack of management ability by going out and buying better players. Just throw money at it and strong arm the league, right? Maybe that's not the case anymore. Mm. Maybe we just don't have enough money to strong arm the league because Rangers have got a team there are not a very good team in my opinion no one's going to tell me that Scott Arfield is a better footballer than Olivier and Cham but Steven Gerrard's getting better performances out of Scott Arfield yeah. than Neil Lennon's getting out of Olivier and Cham and that's just a fact Morelos done nothing the other day I didn't think Kent was particularly dangerous and he's one of their best players he was good but he didn't frighten me the way he frightened me in more games so Rangers have pretty much from my point of view looked at it and went Let's worry about beating Celtic because if we can beat Celtic, we can beat the rest of the league, right? Yeah. Now, that's no worked for them because Rangers' problem isn't they beating us. Rangers' problem is picking up points on the road everywhere else, losing against the small teams and all that, you know? But our pro I don't know what our project is. You can pin it, you can pin it, you can pin the tail on Rangers. I don't know what ours is. 
Ivers it's is very what? short term, isn't it? It's Aye. very short term. It seems to be like everybody was delighted with the signing of guys like Duffy. But looking at it, if you're playing free at the back, where does he fit in alongside Julian and all that? I know players weren't available, but some of this, it was a good signing. I still think he could turn that around, but it hasn't worked out so far because well, we're not playing to his strengths, are we? We're sticking them in there and wanting them to ping passes over at the wide players. It doesn't work. So there's been a lot of short-termism about Celtic recently where it's get to the end of this season, then we'll go from there. Whereas before, you should be thinking, right, this is the plan for... This is the five, three to five-year plan. We should be in the midst of that, but we're not. We're just in a get to the end of this season because, see, after this season, it doesn't just stop, as we've already spoke about. Yeah. There's still a league to be won. There's still a squad of players that you need to enhance or sell on. So it shouldn't just stop on this 10 and Celtic and Neil Lennon mainly have been very guilty about being short-sighted recently. Let's bring the focus back onto the game itself, you know, away from the wider Celtic project. This is a weekly podcast and if, if people will be listening to this going, aye, but Neil Lennon's 1x and Celtic are on, still on course for why, take that as red. Okay, we appreciate that Celtic are still on course for everything and aye, we've lost the league. We've lost to Rangers before and went on to win the league and all that carry on. That's not what we're here to talk about. Neil Lennon says that the team played very much like Stephen, a team that were cobbled together the day before the game. Um, a lot of absences, which was very, very clear. No one really knew who was going to line up for Celtic. Neil Lennon, I think, was trying to keep it under wraps that Edward couldn't play. Um, however, that got leaked before the yeah. game kicked off, much to Neil Lennon's disgust. That's what he called it. He said it was disgusting, someone from disgusting. inside. Disgusting, yeah. Disgusting. Did. And he's right, though, because there'll only be a select few people that know that team. You know what I mean? And you're looking for trust inside the camp. But that, that, that that's, to me, is a bit by the by. How much did these absences, Stephen, really, in your opinion, play into the defeat? Well, I've I've said before uh, at various at times that if you take three or four of the best players out of a team, they're going to suffer for it, right? That, that's just a fact. The, that, that could potentially devastate any team in the world, not just Celtic, if you start chipping away at their quality on the pitch. However, what I would say about that, just in this specific case, is that we've already seen the game so we can make informed opinions on what those absences would have may or may not have done in the game. This isn't before the game where we think, oh, we're missing this guy, so we're, we're going to struggle here. We've already seen it. The the players who are missing, somebody has to now do a job of telling me what those players would have done. And I'm not saying they wouldn't, they would just n have made no difference whatsoever. That, that's not what I'm saying. Of course they would have, but what would they have done? Because... The absences, yes, we can run through them. There are James Forrest, Ryan Christie, Odson Edward, the two Israeli defenders, Beaton and Mohammed. Um, if I'm missing anyone, please you know, fill me in. But I think those are the kind of main ones. Those are the core ones that would have, you know, more of more often than would have started than not. Odson Edward is undeniable quality. He hasn't been in great form this season, of course. We've spoken about this, but he is undeniable quality. So you'd think, right, well, that will make the team better. Look at the way the game played out. What's Odson Edward going to do in that? We didn't create a single chance. We didn't have a single shot on goal. We would have had him out there feeding off of absolute scraps. We would have been over-relying on him to take the ball in. And we've seen it loads of times this season. You pass the odds on Edward and basically expect that he dribbles through about three players and scores. That's what we would have expected him. Rangers would have seen that coming a mile off and... It sticks in my throat as much as anyone having to sit here and talk about how good Rangers were against Celtic. And they weren't that great, but they we have to admit, I'm so glad you mentioned better. that. They were, yeah, but they were, they were better, they, but they weren't great. 
but what they absolutely yeah, but what they absolutely were was better than Celtic, but by mm. every stretch of the imagination they were. Yes, they, they have players in the, the squad, Celtic, right, who can produce moments of magic, but we've not really seen a lot of that this season. I don't think Hudson Edward, good a player as he is, would have been the key difference there. James Forrest, again, no. I, I don't see a history there of him turning up in games like against Rangers. I, I just, I, I don't see it. The only one I would make a case for is Ryan Christie, and it's on the very simple basis that he would have tried a shot. And that sounds like the most uninsightful and basic thing to say on a a, a, a podcast that seeks to analyse a game. But what Celtic needed was to someday hit a shot. For me, it's all about the performances, Stephen, like you said, that you would have got out of these players. Um, I, look, I, judging by Neil Lennon's comments, I think part of him suspected he was really going to struggle in the game. Um, maybe just saying that after the fact. He obviously has absolutely no faith in Patrick Lamala, Melly. And you see people when... People are talking about, oh, I would have started Griffiths. I would have started a half fit. Neil Lennon would have as well. This is the defensive mount mm. of Neil Lennon. He's no starting Patrick Klamala because he fancies Klamala to turn it on one afternoon in six months. He's, he's starting the likes of Klamala because he's got no choice. Yeah, I feel we were, look, we were a bit hamstrung with the team. Could we have went four at the back? I don't think so. We didn't have enough wide players. The 3-5-2... It's the system we've been using recently. We've we've won every game since we switched to it, but the performances haven't been there within that. The reason we changed the three five two last year was because we had Edward and Griffiths up front and we wanted to get the both of them in. But right now we're just using it because it worked last year. We're not using it because we have the players for it to work. And that is because of the absences look if uh, if Celtic coming up against Rangers and they had four or five players who arguably would start the game, we'd be rubbing our hands. So quite rightly, Rangers must have done the same. And if we were looking at Rangers and they had Morelos out and they had Kent out and had Itton and Jones playing, you would be saying, this Celtic need to win this game. And that's what happened with Celtic. Celtic had their, their best attacking players out and you can argue that. But again, I'll go along with Stephen. See if you're saying Edward, Christie, Forrest... Should have came out, would have played the game fine, but not one of them has been in form this season. Not one of them. And see the players that played on Saturday, none of them are on form. All our attacking players are not on form. Christie been poor this season, Forrest poor this season, Edward poor, Elianusi poor, and Cham poor, Rogic barely starting, Griffiths barely starting, Ayeti has been good but hasn't fit. Why have we got so many players not playing well? That's not. A player problem that is a bigger problem just on the 352 as well you know people are now saying he needs to move away for this 352 that's captain hindsight because it, neil lennon developed this 352 to get the best out of these rangers games um yeah and, and people were saying the 352 was great 352 is working now all of a sudden he needs to move away the, for the, from the 352 it seems a bit reactionary seems a bit captain hindsight Stephen. but is there an argument to say that neil lennon maybe needs to go back to the drawing board with this team and if he does, how many times will this be him going back to the drawing board? Three? Well, yeah. Well, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It really is about adjusting. It's about you know learning what's going wrong and problem solving from that basis. However, what I would say is that I don't know if the if the recruitment versus the system has been particularly smart. I think you know we've gone out and got a load of new shiny toys, and I'm not sure how all of them fit into this system. I think. I think it's been a case of putting the formation first and then trying to fit players into that regardless of whether they're suited to it. So 
if it's a case of going back to the drawing board, I'm not against that because, you know, it's their job at the end of the day. But I just, Melly makes a good point about Duffy. I just, like, it, he's a good player, but I just don't know where he, where he fits in. I, I, and there's a number of players like that who desperately try to bring back El Yunusi, who is, again, undeniably a good player. But is he is he suited to this? He can play. He, he can play off a striker. Yeah, I've got no issue with that. But is he the best man for the job? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if we've gone about this in necessarily the smartest way. And it's it's probably a comparison I will make more than once tonight. But I've, Celtic at the moment feel a bit Man United in that they go out and get players that seem to become available rather than going out yeah. and identifying what they actually need to to benefit them the best. The one thing for me that that above all else, you know, Neil Lennon isn't famed as this tactician. He's no famed as a, a particularly shrewd or switched on guy when it comes to shape or, or or any of these things. By his own admission, whether that's true or not, whether he plays up to that is is another story. There's no doubt that Neil Lennon loves football and is immersed in football, so he does know about tactics and all that sort of thing. But the thing he is famous for is drive, energy, performance, aggression pushing high up the pitch, getting the ball forward, high volume, shots on goal. So aside from everything else, you look at that Celtic performance, Melly, that has none of the hallmarks of a Neil Lennon Celtic team and that's what worried me the most. You're right, it was, it was terrifying to be quite honest with you because uh, a couple of weeks ago when the transfer, went, well even just recently when the transfer window shut, great transfer window for Celtic, addressed all the positions we have, strongest squad that I'd said since the double treble winning team, mm. yet it's the poorest performances we've seen since then. And you have to ask yourself why. That's why maybe at the end of this podcast, when we've had all this out, I'm maybe not as worried as I should be about this season because I feel we've got the players, we've got the squad. Whereas in previous times when Ronnie Dyler towards the end of that, you're like, we need about six or seven players in here. But really, you don't. You just need a good manager with a good system and you mm. need good tactics. So if Celtic can get that, it, sh it should get a lot better. But what you're saying about Neil Lennon there, that where is it? Last year, start the season, we had Lenny Ball going right up to the January break where we won all our games in December apart from the Rangers one. Then we switched it around. Then we hit the form again in the 3-5-2. It was brilliant. It was fast attacking football. This Celtic team this season does not have an identity they do not have no. an identity. Again, full game, no shots on target. We watched the St. Johnston game previous to the international break. One shot on target in the 75th minute. Up to that, nothing. The Riga game before that, pretty much the same. This Neil Lennon fast swashbuckling football has, is non-existent this season. We're so passive, so easy to play against. Teams just need to sit in and Rangers, that's what they've done. They sat in, soaked it up and hit us, got a goal from a set piece, which is shocking from Celtic, but we're not doing the basics right and I really struggle to see what this Celtic team are all about right now under Neil Lennon. I mean, I'm only I'm half joking, of course, when I when I said up, up front in my opening statement that uh, that I wanted to see a better, a better fight can somebody go and get sent off? I'm obviously only joking about that. I don't. I don't mean it should have to be extreme, but give me something. Do you know what I mean? Like give me, give me something to to, to make me believe in you. That and it just wasn't there. It just absolutely wasn't there. I mean, it's it's very very worrying. We can we talk about all these individual players and how they're not in form. Why is that? Why are they all reversing? And that's that is alarming for me because. 
we'd, as Mel has said on a number of occasions now, we don't have a single player on form. Who could you actually say in this Celtic team in the last 6, 12, 18 months has got better? Who's improved in this team? Frimpong I'll give because he is at the very start of his career and he's naturally going to get better anyway, although he wasn't good in this game and we're maybe over-relying on him a wee bit too much as good a player as he is. Who's getting better? We've got hey, all these... Patrick Clamalla started off <laughs> as a Sterling Albion level player and he's now a Falkirk level player. <laughs> yeah, well, right, I can buy that. That is right. his improvement. He's the fastest improving <laughs> player in the squad, no doubt. But my, my main point here is, I suppose, what is going on with the coaching of these players? Because... Right, we we can focus in on a guy like Cham who looks like he doesn't want to be here, who hasn't. We've backed him to the hilt, right? Let me get that out of the way. We have been major Cham supporters on here, which they should be in the team. I've given up on that now. I'm I'm not really willing to die on that hill anymore. But he's just an example. We can no longer say like Cham's not playing well, Ayer's not playing well. All these guys who get the blame all the time. But why are they not playing well? Why are they not being coached? Why we've got all these developing we believe European level assets in that playing squad and we're making them worse. That's, that seems counterintuitive. It sounds like almost impossible to me to have them all out of form and reversing up the runway at exactly the same time. That's the worrying thing for me. If the players aren't playing for Neil Lennon, that's worrying. But if you flip that over, see if the players are playing for Neil Lennon, then they don't know what they're doing for Neil Lennon because yeah. none of them seem to have a clue what they're doing. None of them seem to be following, know what their instructions are because there's no patterns of play, there's no passages, there's no triangles, there's nothing. Stephen, you mentioned, you know, Olivier and Cham there. And Olivier and Cham's been the focus of a lot of it. For me, I don't think he was any worse than the majority of the Celtic no. players on the pitch. But I suppose there might be a question is, like you said, how, is, how does Neil Lennon get the best out of these players? Why are they not performing for Neil Lennon? So I wound the clock back two years now. I'm not going to go stats heavy. That, for me, doesn't work on a podcast reading out numbers. But this is the best way I can make to illustrate the point, if people could bear with me for a moment. I wound the clock back two years to the game that we spoke about when Celtic beat Rangers 1-0 and Cham scored. Compare that to in Cham's performance in the game that has just passed there. The game that just passed, Olivier and Cham played seven forward passes, right? The whole game. Compare that to 25 in the corresponding fixture two years ago. He played one back pass in the game there compared to eight. He played 12 lateral passes in that game compared to 37 in the game that we won. And 14 short passes compared to 62 in the game that we won two seasons ago. Now, 14 to 62 was that 14, last one? Yeah. Good grief. So... Whatever, whatever, that tells me that either Cham doesn't want to be there or the manager doesn't know how to get the best out of Olivier Cham because he was great in that game that we won yeah. two years ago. And it goes back to my point. What's the point here? What's the shape? Why Why is the productivity? It, it doesn't matter if... I just mentioned that word productivity and it made me think of like someone working in a supermarket or whatever, but I suppose it is. It's the same as any job. If the manager is not getting the productivity out of his staff, then it's the manager's fault. Either either get away and make a living cham work or stop picking a living cham. It's that simple, really. Well, as I've said about cham, uh, I have defended him to the best of my ability. I've defended in cham because I know how good he can be. And those stats, it bears out in the stats how good he has been in the past against Rangers. And that's what kind of what I was clinging on to, possibly in a 
you know, misguided manner have been clinging on to the, the ability and Jam has to turn up in these games and dominate them. But I'm not willing to do that anymore, to be perfectly honest. And and Jam's far from the only issue in this game. He, he is one of the many issues, but he's far from the biggest one. But it is time to find a different combination in there. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think the midfield has been lacking all season. We've all had our chats about Scott Brown. We've, we've talked that to death. Callum McGregor hasn't been great this season, to be honest, either. And Nullivan Cham certainly hasn't been good. So we would be foolish now to continue with that exact combination going forward because it's not working. The thing is, Celtic have options. So all is not lost. Yeah, well, we put a poll up on Twitter asking, shouldn't Cham be dropped and should Turbo be brought in? And 93% of people said, yeah, he should. And you know what? That's fair landslide. enough. Landslide. Yeah, a landslide. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see Turnbull get a run of games, but I get my worry is still see if you switch one player out. What what difference is it going to make? Yeah. Because it's not as if in Cham is the problem in here, and you're going see if you're taking Cham out, everything clicks into place because it doesn't. Because the wide players aren't playing well, the central midfielders aren't playing well, the strikers aren't playing well. Nobody's getting any service from MD. It, again at the weekend there, a four players that touched the ball the most was a holding midfielder and a free centre-backs. Where, where's this? Where's the style here? What worries me as well is that Rangers had clearly done their homework in Celtic. Rangers didn't push their full-backs up like they normally do. They kept their full-backs back, created that space and played in their players and they just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And and we, we didn't impose ourselves on the game. I know it's not analysis to say that, but I firmly believe that we didn't give Rangers enough to think about. They didn't have to work very hard at all to get the best out of that game. If we were a bit more ambitious and if we were a bit more aggressive and, and went, right, okay, we're going to fucking go for this. And even after this, you know, I thought we were okay in the first half. I just thought we lacked something. Second half was absolutely abysmal. But the yeah. goals were the goals were so easy, weren't they, Melly? Like, that goal was so... The first goal was so preventable. Just poor defending, poor defensive organisation. And Barkas, he's, what did you call him in the group chat, Stephen? Oh, Poppadom gloves. <laughs> Papa Dom gloves. He needs, he's, he got a hand to that, but he might as well not bothered, Melly. No. Yeah, well, I'll come on to Barkas, but as you're saying, see the, I watched the, the game again and as painful as it was, the first half Celtic were decent. Now, the first five minutes, it's just one of those normal games, but it was a decent enough start and even after we let in the goal, we kept playing our game, but what Rangers done is they had their two wide players on our two outside centre-halves and then they had Morelos on Duffy. So they matched up 3v3 and as you said, their full-backs just sort of sat in. It was a bit different. That's why they went with Barker instead of moving our field up there. So fair enough, Rangers changed their tactics. But what they did is play the balls down those channels to get their players one-on-one. Whereas with Celtic going with the two strikers, I thought, look, that's the chance. Rangers will push up their full-backs and then there'll be space for us to get the balls into channels. Watching the first half, we done that once. Yeah. We didn't get the ball anywhere near our strikers or attacking players quickly enough. It was always across the back free and then back across, then get it out wide, giving Rangers all the time in the world to get back into shape. Now, as I said, Celtic, I thought they'd done quite well in the first half without creating anything, but they undone that with a deplorable marking for the first goal. It was poor from the very start. Ayer fires a ball in El Yunusi, which is pretty wild. He does well to control it, but does a slack pass back. 
Ayer then has to chase it and stupidly gives away a foul on Kent, which Rangers can fight in the free kick. But I just felt we were giving away silly free kicks and corners all the time during the game, giving them options just to flight it into the box and cause us trouble. But watching the goal, Goldson starts in between Ayer and Duffy and there's a point where Ayer points at him and says to Duffy, you take him because, I can't remember the Rangers player who was just to the side of Ayer, who he was going to take, clearly said to Duffy to take him. Goldson then goes into an offside position, drops off and then when the ball's about to come in, he dr- runs in front of Ayer. Duffy hasn't even looked at him. He's just left him there. Ayer, he's come across Ayer, across the front of him. He can't get to me. That was poor from Ayer as well. And while Barkas maybe could have done better, I'm looking at that Rangers team, and if you say to me, who's the one guy you need to stop in that box? It's not Morelos when that ball comes in. It's Goldson and then Holanda. Their main threat gets a free header in the middle of the goals from six yards out. Great keepers might not save that, but good defenders stop that happening, and we didn't. It's Barkas, possibly a mistake. The defence, a massive mistake. I didn't have a, mu- a massive problem with Ayer having committed the foul. It wasn't ideal, of course, right? Elianusi gave him a poor ball. And often, I'm not saying it's the case with this one, but often the best course of action is to probably give away an ugly foul because the, the free kick's nowhere near anything. Like it's not it's not in some kind of danger zone. That's fine. We, we can all, as long as we keep our concentration, that's easy to deal with. We just The ball will come in, we'll just deal with it. And But for the, the most experienced guy on the pitch, well, you know, not the most experienced, but the most experienced in, a, in a, a wider context, having played in the Premier League and an international level and all that, Shane Duffy, for him to be the first guy who goes, who just kind of nullifies any offside trap or anything that, is completely unforgivable. Barkas didn't cover himself in glory, but he wasn't exactly helped out by the, the defence, to be honest. He should have saved that, in my opinion, because he got a hand to it and basically just shoved it into the side of the, the, the side net. And there's a lot of people keen to write off Barkas already, I'm not at that stage, but I can't say I'm really blown away by him so nah, far. He's not made any Andy Walker. saves for us, has he? He's not made any Andy Walker said that. Yeah, Andy Walker said that in commentary. Oh, and no. I, I was, oh. <laughs> Has he had the opportunity to, but apart from that? If... I was racking my brains after it, after he said that to think, well, no. I, I, my first instinct was to, to counteract that, right? But yeah. there was a game, was it Riga? Was it Riga? He made a string of good saves, like not necessarily like world class, like Fraser Foster against Lazio saves, but I'm sure he made a, a series of saves in a game that kept Celtic, kept Celtic straight in it. But it's besides the point, like who cares? To be perfectly honest, yeah, if he's we've made not an been goals, really, have we? So it's not no. been. You can't really point him and say, "Oh, that one was his fault." That one was his fault because it's, it's real right now. It's not the. Although we did ship two goals there, but we haven't been shipping goals. We thought, oh, the defence is all over the place. It's further forward that's a problem. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, look, Rangers are crap. They, they're not that good because they came with a plan and they stuck to it and they got the result. As, as hard as that is to say, it's true. But they didn't cut us open a lot because, look, they didn't have to. They didn't no, have no. to. We gifted them two goals. We gifted them that goal. That gives them a lead within eight minutes so they can sit in and play their game. That's fine. But then the second goal as well, a corner. It's a corner whipped in. It goes out right over over the other side of the pitch. And in Cham, p- people are having a go at him. I'm not sure it's his fault. I'd more blame Laxalt. The one-two is played and Laxalt dives into Arfield, who then just spins off him and Morelos plays the one-two, drills it across. 
Goldson again, the only guy in there. There's three Celtic guys. Duffy gets a block, then he gets a, a decent wee break of the ball. But it's pitiful. It's the second phase of a corner. Again, why are we not shaping up? Why are we all over the place for these things? As if when a corner comes in, nobody knows where they're supposed to be going. It was awful again. And that early goal in the first half, early goal in the second half, kills it stone dead. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Neil Lennon said, you know, Elianusi missed a chance. There was a lot of talk about the Elianusi chance. He goes, that changes the complexion of the game. It does and it doesn't. But I think if the game ended at half time, and I said this in the reaction, if the game ended at half time, if that was the game over and we'd lost 1 0 for a set piece, we'd missed a chance, we were kind of better with all the players missing. I think all things being equal, I would have been annoyed, but not as annoyed as this. How much of a bearing, Stephen, do you think the Elianusi chance had on things? Well, goals change games and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, no, I'd just. What we said up front on this was that this has been coming. That this has been this is built up over a series of performances with Celtic. I'm I'm not really. I don't think that the the season as it stands just now hinges on Moya Wienusi not shinning that ball over the bar. I, I, I just don't think. I don't want to rely on these things. Yeah, it would have been great to get him come roaring back into it. But I think all the problems that we're talking about they all exist. You know, they all underpin what Celtic are just now. It's not just about this goal. If they if Celtic had scored, there's a fair chance that Rangers probably still would have 
tactically completely outclassed them for the rest of the game anyway. They might have won 2-1, 3-1. Let's not forget Rangers missed two probably golden opportunities to make it an absolute rout. Christopher Ayers heel probably having saved Neil Lennon's job for the for the time being, which is ironic considering he's one of the guys who probably doesn't want to be here. But more on that later probably. No, I'm I'm not focusing too much on Ergunis's goal um goal to be. But yeah, of course it would have changed the game somewhat, but I don't think we would have been sitting here with a different result. A different result in terms of the scoreline, but not a different result in terms of the points. It's uh, very reminiscent of the game at Celtic Park just before January last year because Celtic missed the penalty. Then remember we got the goal, McGregor shot and it hit off Edward. Yeah, we didn't deserve that goal. We got into it just by a lucky break, and this was the same. It was just Shane Duffy shelling a ball long up the pitch, and Goldson makes a mistake up against El Yunusi. Look, that's why I'm worried that our best chance. One of the few passes Shane Duffy got right the whole game. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but Shane Duffy shelling a pass up to Mo El Yunusi up against Connor Goldson. Nine times out of ten, Goldson wins that no bother, but it sort of hits his head and falls to El Yunusi. That was our best chance created from a long ball from a centre half to a five foot nine ten striker where's the chances coming from where's where's the play that it's one of those ones where yeah it might have changed the game we get in there one each but do I see his playing a whole lot better and getting a tactic spot on after that as Stephen said no I don't it's a bit strange looking at this game that Celtic are the champions we've won nine titles in a row yet coming into this game Rangers were the more settled team. Usually if you win the league, you think, all right, we just need one or two in and we'll be good. But Celtic brought in six players. Rangers sort of haven't really brought MD in that come straight in at their first 11. They've just sort of enhanced their squad, but they've they've got better within that. So looking at the game, I know Neil Lennon had his sort of was hamstrung by all the call-offs and all that, but guys making their Glasgow Derby debut, Barkas, you had Welsh, you had Laxalt, Clamala is very difficult. Duffy, Celtic yeah. Duffy Celtic going in there with half of their team playing in this game for the first time. That it must be a long time since that happened. That's happened, so I can see why it maybe be a bit inconsistent. Added into the fact that it's come straight off the back of an international break, where players are playing up to Wednesday. This game's on a Saturday morning, and you're getting guys like Edward coming back, not knowing. But Neil Lennon said he built this team in. Uh, Saturday morning but in the pre-match to this game he said we prepared for every eventuality it did not look like that on the pitch a lot of focus has been turned on Neil Lennon after the Celtic game and it's only right what I don't understand is I understand Neil Lennon has got fans and the support and I'm one of them right but I'm not going to defend the guy to the absolute hilt on everything If, if the team is not playing well the buck stops with the manager and there's no point. You know, I, I don't even think Neil Lennon himself would welcome his agent on Twitter arguing with fans and putting fans right. I I, I I just don't think that Neil... I think if Neil Lennon is sitting here, he wouldn't want that. That's not how he wants to be judged. He wants to be judged on his performance and ability as a Celtic manager and there's no reason for it. If there's people on social media, you know, talking crap and making up stuff, not making up lies, but coming forward with wrong opinions about the way that Celtic approached the game and all that... Neil Lennon proves them wrong next time he plays Rangers or he proves them yeah, wrong yeah. in the next game. He doesn't prove them wrong by getting his agent to argue on Twitter about it. That's not how this works. So 
Pressure is part and parcel of the Celtic job. Criticism is part and parcel of being a big manager. There is no point moaning about that criticism that comes. I was saying about this incident, shit was unseemly. Is that what was going on on Twitter after the game? Shit was unseemly on Twitter. Shit was unseemly. Look, criticism comes with being the Celtic manager. It's part and parcel of the job. For example, a fishmonger goes home every day reeking a fish, right? (laughs) Right? That's what happens. It's part and parcel (laughs) of the job, right? What you don't get is the fishmonger's agent on social media shouting at all the fish for being smelly. (laughs) You just have to, right? That's the analogy and I'm sticking with that. Yeah. Right? Just like a fishmonger goes, I sound like Cantona, just like the fishmonger goes home stinking a fish, the Celtic manager's going to get pelters on Twitter after a bad game. Um, and, and people are hypersensitive about it. We tweeted out Neil Lennon's up and coming fixture list and here it is, right? Milan, Aberdeen, Lille, Aberdeen, Prague, Motherwell, Hibs, Prague, Milan. That's a tough set of fixtures, no doubt about it. The amount of replies we got, right? There was nothing deliberate about this tweet, but the amount of replies we got saying, yeah, I think you'll find that's Celtic's fixture list. That's the not Neil Lennon's fixture list, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you a question. I'll see if you tweeted that at us. See if Neil Lennon wins all those games 5 0. Are you going to be tweeting us? Or are you going to be tweeting about how good a job Neil Lennon's doing? Of course you are. Mm, no, so the, no, the Celtic, I think you'll find, yeah. Aye, aye, Celtic won those games, not Neil Lennon. So the buck stops with the manager. End of story. Is it accurate to say that rightly or wrongly, though, Neil Lennon, more than any other Celtic manager of recent times, is always just one bad result for people wanting him sacked? It seems to be the case that one bad result, immediately people are talking about replacing the guy. Eh... And and, Not, and and let me extend let me extend that sorry me let me extend that and if that's the case is Neil Lennon firmly in Ronnie Dyla territory now one bad result out of it, all those games I've just mentioned will people be having serious conversations about wanting to get him sacked that's the problem he's under now because we've had two big games this season Ferenc Varos and the Rangers game and he's been found wanting. And it's not because we don't have the better players. It's because we're tactically outclassed in both games. Both games were there to be won and we didn't because we didn't have the right game plan. That's Neil Lennon's problem now is he's not coming up with the game plans. Last season, he came in after people being wary. Some of us, myself included, thought it'd be best to go for somebody else. But he got the job. Disaster at the start of the season, but he turned it round and, and won us all over in the end, I'd say. This season turning up, we haven't turned up and that's that's got to be down to the manager because it's the same players that are there from last season plus we've enhanced the squad. So something's not right in there. Neil Lennon's at the point now where a few of my mates who were very, I was going to say staunch Neil Lennon fans, but you can't really say that, can you? No. <laughs> they were huge Neil Lennon fans, but they've given up on him now. They've given up on him and I feel the tide starting to turn on that. A squad is a good squad, but he's not getting the best out of them. You, how long do you give it before you've got a manager who is always one big game away from questions being asked about him? Because it can't go on. It's We had the Lazio games last year, but there's so many games within last year and this year where Celtic have been beaten by teams who are not better than us. Cluj, Copenhagen, Rangers, Ferenc Varos. Celtic should be beating them if they have a plan to do it, but we don't, unfortunately. And that's Neil Lennon's problem now. Is Neil Lennon in Rory Dyla territory, Stephen? And when I say that, I mean, is he just one bad result away from serious conversations? Serious and warranted conversations, because, as I said before, there's lots of conversations, there's lots of people serious about wanting Neil Lennon sacked, right? That's ridiculous, but are these warranted conversations? That's a good word to use because the the context that we were previously I was previously going to answer the question in was that 
it's after one bad result and it's not after one bad result as we've said all along in this podcast this this is what the season has been building towards we've, yeah. we've said it as well that we can't be accused of being a reactionary because we all said after narrowly beating all these teams eventually this is going to run out eventually you can't get away with snatching last last minute winners after playing poorly after not having any ideas on which to break teams down you kind of just keep relying on individual quality to bail you out all the time because one day you'll turn up it'll come back to haunt you and that's what's happened here uh, so it's i wouldn't say that it's one bad result hanging over them just now i have since calmed down a bit after the game i'm still furious about the performance and the result but i've calmed down off i'm off the ledge of saying that lennon needs to go soon um because i think he has enough in the bank with Celtic fans and me included and probably I, I wouldn't speak for us all on the podcast but I probably broadly we all agree on this that he has enough in the bank to be allowed another chance and I know people will be listening to this thinking oh that, this is Lennon out brigade but it, it's not I, I, do you think I like sitting on here talking about potentially replacing the manager absolutely not especially not in this season but the problem is I don't know if I see it getting any better just based on performances and based on the tactical let's face it, cluelessness. We've seen this season. So, yes, he, he is in trouble just now. There's no doubt about it. Um, we're going into a very, very sticky run of fixtures just now. And I, I'm willing to give him more of that to turn it around because I think he deserves that. I think he's bought himself enough enough capital, enough in the bank to, to get that. Um, but things need to change and very, very quickly because there's a, there's a malaise creeping in at the club and it is a... It is not a, a nice experience at the moment. The, the demeanour of everyone. It's crept yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Rather the demeanour of everyone after. I mean, even even the likes of Scott Brown wandering off the pitch on Saturday just had a, like a stoic acceptance. His face was just defeated. And I'm just like, this This is not the Celtic I recognise against Rangers at all. And, Do you want me to be kind on that though? Do you want me to be kind? I think in the camp, rightly or wrongly, right? I think those players knew they were up against it that day because of how many people were out, because Julian was out, because Edward was out, because Griffiths and Ayeti weren't fit, because Laxalt was starting. I think a lot of the senior players went into that game thinking, if we get into this, it'll be a, a, a ruddy miracle. I think that really affected the mentality in the camp. Yeah. But that's, me being, that's just me being fair. That's me trying yeah, to be yeah. fair to Neil Lennon. And what I will say as well, just to be fair to Neil Lennon and bring it back to what we were talking about, and I know you're trying to come in, Melly, was what we're fickle football fans if Neil Lennon beats Milan 3-0 people will say right well that was the result that turned it around oh, right okay he's, yeah, working, yeah. he's working his way back and you can't really be like that with a Celtic manager you can't say you lost the Rangers 2-0 right you need to lose the job alright okay a couple of days later you beat Milan 3-0 right you're sound now and then he loses to Aberdeen you go ah you need to lose the job and then he beats Lee when you go ah maybe give him another chance we can't have this roller coaster, Melly can we no, you know, you can't, but at the same time, what you said about the players and going, look, we're, we're under pressure here, we're, we've not got all the players, is that not more damning of their attitudes if they think, look, do you know what, we might not get it in now this game? Should that not, and Neil Lennon as well, motivate you to try even harder if it look, we need to give everything today if we've got any chance of getting out of this, and then to go on the pitch and have not a single shot on target, not a bit of, I'm not wanting... Guys, people saying 
maybe say, oh, look, we need dig in midfield, we need dig at the back. Well, we've got that in Scott Brown. We brought in Shane Duffy for that, and the, Shane Duffy was one of the worst players in the park. It was nothing to do with dig at the weekend. It was a sheer lack of quality. We bash on about Celtic having went out in the summer, enhanced our squad with six good players. We've a couple of players out, and then we're just meant to accept defeat because we haven't got all our wee pals beside us. That's not how it works. <laughs> See, on that, like, just before you move on there, sorry, Jimmy, I think we are guilty and we, it comes up after every bad result. I know it sounds a wee bit reactionary, but I think we're guilty at times of grossly overrating our own players. At times we, we concentrate yeah. too much on what they're worth in the open market. And oh, this guy's worth 40 million, 15 million for whoever Greg Taylor had. I don't know. But at times I, I watch them play and I think, what are we talking about with this? That they're, they're nowhere near as good as we think. And we we do focus a lot on the fact that we've got man man for man one to eleven a better team than Rangers. Mm. We're not showing it, so that doesn't matter. It doesn't count for anything if we've got this better team on paper because we can't put it any action. So it's so what what is the point of having all these all these assets? Um, a, fi- a final thing before we move on completely, uh, the Neil Lennon thing. I, I don't I don't want him to go. I want him to turn it around. I want him to be able to do his job. Um, but what I worry about is that, and it's, um, as I teed up earlier, it's another Man United comparison, is that we have a manager there that everyone, the fans, the board, everyone is going to be unable to make a sensible decision upon it based on emotional ties to, to a guy, much like Oli Solskjaer is in with Man United. They came in in very similar circumstances. They came in after a after a poison had been removed from each club, i.e. Jose Mourinho and Brendan Rodgers, right? Very cir- different circumstances. And while I'm not saying Neil Lennon is the same manager as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think there are obvious parallels here in that he's a Celtic legend and people struggle to see that, see past that, that he is, he is very defended because of who he is. And people sometimes struggle to see what's happening because of it and they're unable to make the sensible decision. And I worry about that with Celtic. I worry that they won't make the right decision when it needs to be made based on all of that stuff. I'm not saying it needs to be made just now, but this conversation might happen again in the coming weeks. We, we don't know. And, and I just, I have my concerns over that. Look, see if you want to be positive about it. If you want to be positive about it, Thursday's a terrific opportunity for Neil Lennon to oh, bounce back. Maybe what they need. Maybe exactly what they need. Go in. Nobody fancies them now. Nobody fancies them to take in from AC Milan. So why not go out and, and prove that wrong? It's a golden opportunity for it. Yeah, I mean, Milan, right off the back of winning the Milan derby, I think Zlatan scored two goals. I've read some stat that I think since the season commenced, Zlatan scored two, at least two goals in every game or something like that. Quite quite remarkably, though, I might be, you might be able to correct me on this, Millie, but is this Zlatan's first trip to Celtic Park? Yeah, we played... Briefly for Ajax back in the old O'Neill years, didn't yeah, he? Came he? Off the he came, bench, yeah. Came on ah, and right. Ajax beat us one 0 but that was that before he was Zlatan of today. Twenty years ago, and the guy's still going stronger than ever. By the looks of it, I mean it is absolutely ridiculous that we're talking about a guy here who's just turned thirty nine, who's still <laughs> yeah. easily five goals in three games this season so I, far as well. <laughs> I, he just like he just refuses. He just refuses to age. Um, I, obviously. As part of our Patreon coverage, we have had Milan scouted. So we will release before the game a scouting report podcast on Milan. I'll be discussing with Blair what to expect, how Celtic can possibly get a result out of this game against Milan. Um, but it's a massive opportunity for, for Celtic to put some of the woes behind them. I think it's fair to say I'm not too confident. 
Um, guys, just before we wrap up, how confident are you feeling about this Milan game? Not particularly, um, with what everything we've been talking about tonight. Uh, not extremely confident, but I do think it represents a good opportunity to kind of reset a wee palate cleanser for everyone. It's a totally mm-hmm. different challenge, a totally different type of game, a totally different um, opposition than we're used to, totally different level. So hopefully, hopefully this can be a, a turning point. I, I just that that's all we can expect or, or hope for out of this game. Rather, even if Celtic lose this game. As long as they play better than they have been, I'll, I'm fine with that. Right, I'm absolutely fine with them. You know, taking a you know, a decent performance, but defeat against AC Milan because that's what we need. That is what I need to show me that Celtic aren't in a terminal decline. Because see, ultimately, see, every successful team it comes to an end. You don't know you're in it until it until it's over. I just hope that this this is we're, we're all kind of scrambling around looking for answers. And yet we're in it, we're in it and we don't know it, we're in the, the slide down the other side of the hill. A decent performance in this game will show me that, that I'm worrying myself over nothing. Four wins out of four, Milan sitting 12 points, top of Serie A, Melly. How confident are you feeling? Not very confident, but it's a European game at Celtic Park and this is what I grew up on, this is what I look forward to, I love it. Uh, obviously it'll be different not being able to go to the game, it's some, can't remember the last European game uh, I wasn't at, uh, group stage sort of thing so it's going to be hard watching it from home I think it's had an effect on this the season in general but this is what it's all about if you're going into these games this this is a Champions League game except the two teams aren't good enough to get into the Champions League so the history is there I love seeing Milan I always liked them as, as a wee guy I'm looking forward to it I just hope the same as Stephen I want to see a better performance as you said it yesterday on the, the reaction Jamie that you can win a game and then fine. You can say, "Oh look, we we got the points," but the performance is more important sometimes because you can tell more from the performance. If Celtic go out and have another toothless display under Neil Lennon, I'm going to need to ask more questions. But at the same time, if the players come out roaring and have a good display against a very good team, you can say, "Look, these guys are behind Lennon. It's just been everything that's happened recently. Maybe it is time for a re reset and we go because that's it. The window's shut now. All the players we might get a couple of players back. It's just time to rock it on through these games because it is a hard run of games. But you wouldn't want it any other way, would you? Yeah, no. That's it. Uh, and and I'm I'm really stung. Stephen by the dialer thing so I'm not doing that again so I'm just going to tell you I think if you think the Celtic team are going to burst onto the scene because Odson Edwards back or um, a Yeti suddenly becomes fit if you think Celtic are going to burst mm-hmm. onto the scene and it's all going to click uh, you know I wish I had your confidence I am I'm, I'm dreading this run of games I'm dreading this game against Milan it doesn't look good for me I mean, there's a number of things being being clung on to now because that's kind of all we're left with with the way this season's going. And I know it's it's not all bad. Celtic have been getting the results until we saw what we saw on Saturday and it came to an end and we didn't get the result. There's been a lot of things clung on to and one of them is the players coming back, which is fair enough because players coming back does strengthen you. There's no doubt about that. But the, it ranges everything from from that to... Aye, but Rangers will bottle it anyway. Yeah, you know, it always happens. Rangers will ball it, and, and listen. If that's the plan, um, that is yeah. uninspiring. If if that's genuinely the plan, and you know, I like a the wire quote on this this podcast. But if that's the plan, it makes me sick, motherfucker. How far <laughs> we done fail? <laughs> yeah, look, I'm the same. I'm worried about these fixtures, but at the same time, I'm I'm looking at Celtic and going, look, look, everything's there. 
everything's there to turn it around. We've got the players that I can't, I've said it before, a great transfer window added to a great squad. The players are there, but all we need to do is get the right players on the pitch and the right system. Will we be able to do it? That is the question. And on that bombshell, we shall wrap up. Now, regular listeners to this podcast will know that we run a weekly competition. All you need to do is log on to Podcast Addict or iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Make sure you include your Twitter username. Yes, we pick essential. the best. Yes, we pick the best review every week and we send you a TMT gold badge. Too much to talk about this week on the podcast. So how about this, boys? To make up for it, next week, we're going to pick four winners. Ooh. Oh, you're all done. You're all done, Uncle Jamie. It's coming up to back. Christmas. Start, generous. Yep. Starting to feel generous. So next week, leave us a review between now and next week. Make sure you leave your Twitter name five stars, and we will pick a winner. Four winners next week. But apart from that, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you to everyone who contributes on our Patreon. We do so much around the games, and we've got so much stuff going on there. Just check it out Patreon.com/slash20MinuteTims. See what we've got to offer. If you like the Monday podcast, it's more of the same. But really, really, really good. Uh, Stephen, would you like to sign off? Uh, yes, uh, thanks, folks. Thanks for al- allowing us this opportunity to get a lot of things off our chest. And we are sorry. Uh, we, we are sorry we are forced into this position, but that's Celtic for you. I'm sure we'll, we are going to be better. All we can do is be positive. We are going to be better going forward. I mean, you, you mean keep the faith? Melly? Uh, well, yes, yeah. <laughs> Melly, would you like to sign off with something positive? Yeah, thanks for all the Tims to, uh, that are listening. We we always say it one game at a time, so we go again and to all the Huns listening, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there'll, there'll definitely be some as well. Oh, definitely. And let me let me let me sign off on this if anybody wants a bit of positivity. I think that going course and distance on these things makes a hell of a lot of difference. And one game doesn't certainly doesn't define the season. And we have got players in that team who've been there, who've done it time and time again. They know what it takes to come back from a, back, a setback like this. They know what it takes. And, and if they can put it into action, things are going to be absolutely fine from here. Things and can only get better. Things can only get better in the famous words of Tony Blair's Labour government. <laughs> and on that, we shall end. Thanks for listening. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.